It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder survive against the Portland Trailblazers. Was this a bad loss? Is Jalen Williams taking another leap? And the Thunder had their three closers in hand out of the bullpen. But, Lou Dort, are the struggles getting to be too much? We'll talk about that coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into this Thunder win over Portland. Was it a bad win? Is there such a thing as a bad win as they lacked energy in this game? Plus, did Jalen Williams take another leap? We'll talk Josh Gideon SGA and also Lou Dort. One of the hot button topics around Bricktown is Lou Dort struggles. We'll continue to discuss it on Lockdown Thunder. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users get 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. In this game, the Thunder were without Chet Holmgren, without Kenneth Williams, and Lindy Waters was a late scratch in this one uh, for OKC with plantar fasciitis. Poku and uh, Dario Sarge did not play either, but that was just a coach's decision on that one. They were both active tonight. For Portland, though, here's the kicker Portland did not play Dame. They did not play Anthony Simons. They did not play Jer- uh, Jeremy Grant. They did not play Yusuf Nurkic. They did not play Justice Winslow. And the Thunder had their normal starters, SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, and J-Well. And so you're looking at that and you're wondering, well, how on earth 
did the Thunder have to survive in Portland? How on earth did it take the Thunder a great last five minutes to be able to win this game? And for 87% of this game, if not more, the effort and the energy level was embarrassing. And this is part of development. Because there's been many games in Mark's career where he's gotten this team up, they've played better than we thought that they would play, they competed harder than we thought that they would compete. But in this game, they had zero juice. They had zero energy. And this is why that stretch is so important. It started tonight in Portland, goes through uh, the game on Friday in Indiana. The Thunder had zero juice today. Zero energy. There were portions where they were able to muster some up. The J-Dub dunk that turned things on to end the, th- to end the second quarter, where they go on that you know 14-2 run or whatever it was that they went on in the second quarter. They turned it on for that moment. But then they fall back into a low in the third quarter. Fall back into a low in the, in the fourth quarter. And then the last five minutes, they were great again, closed it out, got the win. But this is why that despite you looking on paper and saying, well, they're just playing the Pistons and the Hornets and the Pacers, despite you saying that, despite the Thunder that are going to walk into this week as favorites in those games, these games are important and it's why you need to pack the Paycom Center because these are not guaranteed wins. This is the youngest team in the league. This is the second youngest team in NBA history. The second youngest team of all time in the NBA. They walked into this game. They were supposed to win by a mile, but it was a flat building. They couldn't quite muster their own energy besides a couple plays from J-Dub. It was against a tanking team, and they did not respond well at all. They did not respond well at all to this environment. And this is one of the first times they've been on this side of the coin. Usually... They're the team playing free, playing loose, playing with nothing to lose. They're the team not expected to win. They're the team with the adversities and the and, and the injuries and everything else to where they just go out there and have fun and they end up surprising some people who overlook them. Now they're the team who's doing the overlooking. And how they respond to this will define the season because you have to get these games. And look, I understand they were they were on the road for six days. That's tough. That sucks. I understand they played three games in four nights. That sucks. That's tough. But this team should not have needed a great last five minutes and and an effort from SGA and a rolled ankle to beat the Blazers. And that's why these next three games are incredibly interesting and worth paying attention to. Just like the the players got to lock in, you got to lock in as a fan in the sense of like, don't give up on these games. Don't chalk them down as a win. Don't not show up to the Paycom Center because you'd rather go to the Suns game Sunday. Go out there to this Hornets game, to this Pistons game on a back-to-back because the Thunder are going to need all of, the, all of these games. They're going to need that energy, and, and, and it's hard to create that energy on their own, as we saw tonight. But the big thing here is, can you sweep this stretch? This stretch of the Hornets, Pistons, and Pacers, can you sweep it? And the feeling on that answer, the answer to that question, for most of you, probably changed tonight despite the win because that's really tough to do. It's tough in general, to rattle off four straight wins. That's just life in the NBA. But it's especially tough for the youngest team in the NBA to rattle off four straight wins. Young teams typically uh, do not close games, and and they've bucked that trend this year for OKC. And then you're going to be playing these teams, these rat teams that are not very good at all, but are going to have nothing to lose. Guess who's playing pretty well right now? The Hornets, who have guys that can fill it up. They, they, They beat the Mavericks twice. They're feeling good about themselves here this week. The Pistons have been 
kind of kind of spunky a little bit, uh, getting Wiseman and and trying out these two big lineups. Which guess what gives the Thunder trouble? Guess who's already beaten the Thunder this year? Is the Pacers? I mean, is the Pistons? And then you play the Pacers, who are who are a quality team. The Pacers are just in this category because it's one of your last like true. Hey, the Thunder have an argument here to be the favorite on the paper. They're not like a pushover team. The Pacers are not a pushover team, but they're they're a it's an easier path than what you're going to face. Because after this stretch where you play Portland tonight, got the win, you play Hornets, Pistons, Pacers. After that, you get the Suns coming to town again on Sunday, which Aiton comes back on Monday, KD comes back on Wednesday. They're going to be healthy. That's going to be a very tough game, and on paper, you should lose that game. Then you're going to go to Golden State, which is a whole different ball game than playing Golden State uh, whenever they're on the road. Playing them in Golden State, whole different ball game. That should be a loss on paper. Uh, but again, the Thunder could win that game. It's, it's not as much as an automatic feeling as it is with a fully healthy Suns team. Then you go to Utah, which the Thunder lost in Utah after the All-Star break. Talked to Jalen Williams at the All-Star game, and Jalen Williams told me about how difficult it was to get used to that altitude, so that's a, kind of a built-in advantage for Utah. And and the Jazz just refused to go away. Uh, they, they've, they've dropped out of the play-in standings right now, but I, I just cannot fully write them off yet because at this point we've been trying to do that for like two months now, and they haven't been written off. And then you play Memphis in the last game of the year. Which, the Memphis won last game of the year, it's tough to know right now. This is too too far out still to know. Will that even matter for Memphis? Like, could could they be so deadlocked where they can't move up or down with a loss to where they just don't play anybody? Sure. So the Memphis won, we don't, we don't know how hard that game will be yet uh, in the afternoon Sunday game. But nonetheless, the bottom line is, you have a stretch right here where if you can find a way to muster up enough energy, to muster up enough try hard, to muster up enough good games in a row, that if you beat the Portland Trailblazers, which you did tonight, if you beat the Hornets, the Pistons, and the Pacers in consecutive games, then you control your own destiny the rest of the way. Playing teams take care of business on this stretch. And guess what? This young Thunder team might not be able to take care of business. They might not be there yet. And that's okay. That's good. That's perfectly fine if they're not there yet. But I think that this is part of the development stuff. Like when, whenever you hear the team talk about development, it's no longer where it once was, like where it once was like, hey, try out 50 million trillion guys, bring in 10-day contracts and just figure out what, what everyone can do. It's no longer that kind of stuff. It's more so this. It's more so how do you respond from getting punched in the mouth against Portland? It, was, it did not go according to the script. It did not go according to plan. You're now the hunted instead of the hunty. You're now the team that's on the other side of that tanking coin where you have everything to lose and they have nothing to gain, to, nothing to lose to where they're just going to go out there and, and, and just start throwing haymakers. Can you regroup? Can you, can you get back on trap? Can you wake up? Can you, can you look past what the expectations are and just simply go out there and win games and, and, and assert yourself and declare yourself as a team that can take care of business? We'll see. This is a good test for them. They're going to learn from this. Like, they learned, hey, it's the NBA. Those guys over there, they're in the NBA for a reason. Those guys over there, they're playing for something more than a win in the standings. While they don't care about the win-loss record, they do care about impressing other teams, impressing their own team, solidifying themselves a job in the future. Right? I mean, we've seen it in OKC. Like, how valuable was it that Isaiah Roby had that closing stretch of the year last year where the Thunder moved on from him, but he got a job almost instantaneously with the San Antonio Spurs. Now it has not worked out there for him, but he at least got that shot because he didn't care about the Thunder, you know, quote unquote tanking. He just went out there and played really good basketball specifically in Portland that game. Uh, and the rest is history. But 
to the question of, is this a bad win? No, there are no bad wins, especially in the Western Conference, especially with how tight the Western Conference race is right now. Because I'd, I'd turn the table and say, if we went over to Lockdown Mavs right now, which had a very depressing episode today, shout out Nick and Isaac for, for doing the Lord's work. But if we went over to Lockdown Mavs today and said, hey, would you guys have rather lost lost these two games or won on two buzzer beaters where, yeah, you, you it took a buzzer beater to beat the Hornets, but you at least beat them and you're in the playoff conversation and playoff race and playoff spot right now, they'd for sure take the two quote-unquote bad losses. So there's no, I mean, bad wins, I should say. So there's no bad wins. It's just this is yet another opportunity for this team to learn something for this team to grow and to end this on a more positive note at every point that, that you have challenged this team and you've said, well, you know, they've got to figure out how to do X or how to do Y or how to do Z. They've figured it out and they've played really well in the face of all of that. So we'll see if they can do it yet again. We'll see if they can do it again. And, and, it's, it was a weird route to get here. It was an odd pathway to get here for that win on Tuesday. But if I told you Wednesday morning, I'm, I'm sorry, if I told you Sunday morning of last week, would you sign the dotted line after just losing to Toronto? Would you sign the dotted line for on this West Coast swing, no matter what happens in that Phoenix game Sunday, night, Sunday afternoon, would you sign the dotted line for a 2-2 two two road trip? Everyone would have done that following the two, following the Toronto loss. You ended up stealing one from, from, uh, from Phoenix. You stole one from... Uh, LA and it kind of set things in motion. You're back to 500 and things kind of got out of hand there uh, for a while, but going back to the expectations, what they were before two outcomes, everyone would have, would have agreed on a two and two road swing. So they did their job. It looked ugly. It was an ugly way to get there, but they did their job. They got, they went two and two on the road and now can they do their job again? Can they go three and three and zero oh this week uh, against the Hornets, Pistons and Pacers? We'll find out. We will find out. Coming up, let's talk J-Dub. Did he take yet another leap? Let's talk SGA and Josh Giddy, who are awesome as well. The Thunder have three guys who deserve some coffee for closing out this game. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Prize Picks. Folks, Prize Picks is incredible. You can go to the Prize Picks app right now or go to their website and check it out today. With code locked on, you're going to get 100% uh, deposit match up to $100. And when you do that, you are going to go with me and be able to place some wagers on some lines that they set. It's just you versus the projected numbers. So all you got to do is go to Price Picks, and this is it. It's just you versus the numbers. You say, hey, today I think that Joel Embiid will score more than 27 and a half points. And if he does, well, you win. If he doesn't, then you lose. That's it. There's no no gimmick, no playing against other other people, no playing against sharks who do this for a living. It's just you versus the projections. You pick two to six players, you predict more or less than whatever the prize picks projection is, and you can win 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other players. It's just you versus the projections, and there's every sport for it. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men in college a men and women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. So check it out today because entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's safe, secure, and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in 30 states in Canada. So download the app right now, PricePix app, and go to PricePix.com. Use the code LOCKEDON for 100% deposit match up to $100. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. 
Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And go check out the Game to Game podcast for a nightly recap show of the association from the night before. Folks, J-Dub continues to impress. And as we wait and wait and wait for that rookie wall, it's not coming. J-Dub just continues to get better, continues to take leaps upon leaps. And what was the leap tonight, you ask? Jalen Williams has been a winning Positive player, which is rare for a rookie all season long. But Jalen Williams won this game for OKC. Obviously, SGA was incredible. And we talk about SGA every single night, and he dropped 30 points, and he's awesome. But if, if Jalen Williams was 1% worse than what he was, like if, if he performed 1% less than what he gave you, the Thunder lose this game and thus derail their season. Instead of being on a three-game losing streak, instead of then facing a back-to-back on a three-game losing streak with SGA on a sprained ankle. Instead of all that, you had Jalen Williams make winning plays and do things um, to help you win and to manufacture a win against Portland. Again, they played a team that on paper is terrible, tanking. Any adjective you want to use to describe them is fair because I know what you've been to as a fan base being called the black eye of the league for the last two years. I get it. And it should not have taken a great effort from any of these three guys to win you this game. But nonetheless, I would much prefer my rookie to make winning plays and to drag you to a win than not. I would much prefer this to a loss. And what he did in this game was special. 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. He had a massive dunk, which immediately changed the energy, which immediately changed the activity, which immediately changed the tempo of this game and immediately led to that massive run to take the lead. In the second quarter, he took 14 shot attempts, 64% from the floor, two for two from three. And in the first half, which is where, which is what we're talking about here. As you fall behind, as you get that, Oh no feeling, as you start to panic, as you need to take SGA out of the game and things can really go haywire here. It was J-Dub who asserted himself into the offense. It was J-Dub who hunted his own shot. It was J-Dub who tried to calm everything down and stay in the waters with his action on the floor. That was what he did. He changed the energy, he understood the moment, and he rose to the occasion. To be able to check all those boxes as a rookie is very impressive. To understand the situation, this is a must-win game. To understand, for us to win this game, I've got to go a little bit out of my comfort zone and become a shot creator as a guy who likes to just fit into the flow and make the right basketball play. I've now got to over, over extend myself, so to say, or, or 
or take more shots or force more shots than I'm used to, whatever word you want to use uh, for, for that. We saw that he was a much more aggressive shot taker than he has been this season in this game. And then still do it effectively. And then do it in a win because it's caused by him bringing the energy. And I've tweeted this out. Uh, the fan attendance look good. Like like the fan attendance, like whenever they pan the camera around, look good. But it felt like on television. I don't know if this is a mic problem, a crowd mic issue, a rim mic issue, whatever. But it felt like on television, you could hear a pin drop in that arena. And the players were playing like that. The players literally had zero juice. That was the first time, and think about this, folks, for, for what, what Mark has been a part of. That was the first time where you could truly challenge this team's effort, truly challenge this team's try hard and, and, and just energy in Mark's career. He rose that energy level multiple times in this game by just being a loud player on the floor. And he's a rookie. Going right through the lane for the and one, big time passes, big time buckets. He turned this game around in the biggest moment in a must win game with a season on the line. That was awesome. And when and when you look at this core, which we still have not seen what J Dub is, I mean, I'm sorry, what Chet Holmgren's going to do waiting in the right wings. But when you look at this core, when does SGA play his best game? Under the lights, under the circum, under the under the pressure of of a, of a high stakes game. When has J-Dub played his best game? Exactly on time, right? His best games have happened whenever the team absolutely needed it. Oh, SGA's out tonight? Okay, I guess I'm going to go drop 27 points against the Spurs. Oh, no no, no SGA against Boston? Okay, got to go get the dub. Like, Jalen Williams has always played his role, and we've talked about that in... I don't want to call it a negative way, but like in a, in a way of, okay, well, sometimes you're going to have to, you know, be more aggressive. Even if you, even if you have to sacrifice um, some efficiency, you're going to, have to be more aggressive, right? So he loves to play his role, but he also loves to play his role in a positive way. And like a, okay, there's no SGA. I'm dropping 32 points. I'm dropping 27 points. I'm going out there and I'm going to drop 25 points in LA. The night LeBron breaks the scoring record and and will the thunder to a three-point win where again if he's any fraction percent worse you don't win that game in la like rising like raising to the occasion as a rookie is incredibly hard to do and, and if and if the, these are the type of things that these guys are made out of then it's going to be a very 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 bright future for okc because sga was awesome he rolled his ankle he was really hurting i mean you could tell with every step he took he was really hurting and here's the problem with this this is part of the problem with, you know, the fact that he had to be in the game and everything else. We've kind of beat down to the ground. The problem is, though, that after the game, Mark said that the team doctor, Donnie, Donnie Stacks, informed the team, you know, informed Mark, of course, that SGA could return. And they knew whenever they said he could return that they had to get him back out there immediately. They had to let him keep moving it because it was only going to get worse if he stopped moving it. The problem is, if that's the case, okay, you're going to take a plane ride back to OKC. You're going to have an off day tomorrow. And you're going to have a back-to-back back back to back-to-back set against the Pistons and the Hornets. Like, that's scary stuff of, like, can he play in the back-to-back again, like he did in the L.A. back-to-back? Can he play in this truncated schedule? Right? It, it, how how long will he be dealing with this? Like, that's a, that's a massive thing to find out for the future of this season. Because let's face it, this is a non-perfect team. This is a young team that at any given moment could just simply not have the juice, as they didn't tonight. 
If you don't get that 31 points from SGA, who are you turning to tonight? What's the score look like tonight? So this is a big deal that he rolled his ankle in this game. And hopefully it ends up being a non-big deal. Like hopefully he just fine magically and can play in both games this week and, and go to Indiana and play as well. Uh, but this is something to really monitor for, for, uh, for the Thunder moving forward. But 31 points tonight, three assists, two rebounds, four steals, played really good defense, even after the rolled ankle, played good defense. 53% from the floor, 13 for 15 from the line. SGA was a big-time player as well. And then you saw Josh Giddy really get into a groove. I refuse to normalize Josh Giddy's passing. That beautiful whip pass to Lou Dort in the corner, he missed a shot, which is a good shot for him. Lou Dort shooting over 40% in the corner. The great pass to Isaiah to Isaiah Joe cutting at the rim, who missed it at the rim. That's two highlight passes that were not in this game, and both of them were from players who are great at that shot. He creates a Lou Dort corner three out of thin air, which is a great shot to create because Lou Dort, despite his struggles, is shooting plus 40% in the corner. He gets Isaiah Joe wide open diving at the rim, which Isaiah Joe this year has been in the 90-plus percentile in the NBA uh, at, in rim finishing. So that's been great for his position. That's been great. And then he had the highlight reel pass that actually did come true, which is just, just this beautiful pass to Jay Will. Jay was cutting uh, to the rim, and I just called it a ski ball pass because he flicks it under his wrist like he's going to throw a ski ball at Chuck E. Cheese, and Jay Will uh, finishes home at the rim. He was awesome. 11 rebounds, 6 assists, should have been more than 6 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, 17 points on 58% from the floor, and 3 for 5 from 3. The big thing with Josh Giddy. If you go look at all of his makes, it's whenever he just lets it fly. Just throw the ball up there. The ones that he misses typically, and of course this is not 100% true, but like it's just like the majority of the ones that he misses, are these ones where he catches it, he thinks about swinging it, he doesn't want to force it, then he hesitates, but then he just goes ahead and, goes ahead and shoots it anyway because he's still open. The more he holds on to the ball after getting it passed to him, the more the percentage of three-point chances made goes down, I believe. Uh, I'll go look that up today to make sure that my eye test is right, but like that's just how it feels like for Josh Giddy. And I think that today you saw him really shoot the threes in rhythm, uh, in stride, not really thinking about it too much, and it results in three for five from beyond the arc. Coming up, though. Yeah, we did a whole podcast on it Friday, but it's again time to talk about Ludwig's struggles again on this podcast. But first... I want to tell you right now, but our good friends over at Built Bar, folks. Built Bar is incredible. My personal favorite flavor of Built Bar is the Cookies and Cream Built Bar. Check it out today. Vote for it today in the Built Bar March Madness bracket, and are going to get entered for a chance at free Built Bar. Uh, now, not only will a Locked On fan win a 12-month subscription to Built, but they'll have Built Bars uh, monthly to their door. you got to try Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar ever. Seriously, it tastes, it tastes like a candy bar. And they have so many great flavors. Again, my personal favorite flavor is um, cookies and cream, but don't stop there. They have cookie dough. They have brownie batter puff. They have coconut marshmallow. They have salted caramel. They have all these great flavors like churro, mint brownie puff, and salted caramel and peanut butter brownie. Check them out today. That's Built Bar. It's a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, Lou Dort continues to struggle. Continues to struggle. There's no other way to put it. He's struggling. Here's the thing about Lou Dort. Six points, two assists, and uh, you know, two steals, and assists, six rebounds. He once again had a key stop down the stretch of this game, which was important. He goes 0 for 6 from 3, 2 for 14 from the floor. Look, he, he was bad on offense tonight, except for a game-sealing slam in terms of results. I thought offensively, had it not been thrown into the midst of a brutal stretch from him since the All-Star break, he's been brutal offensively since the break, but had this been dropped into a stretch where he was playing well, it would not have felt this bad. And that's hard to believe because he went two for 14. But for the majority of this game, he had a couple bad rim drives, which is just going to be life with Lou Dort. That's going to be life with him forever. Uh, but he did make some solid swing passes. He did take some open shots. The thing is with Lou Dort, I don't think he's a terrible player. I don't think he's a starting level player. I think he's a boomer bust guy. He's a boomer bust guy. This season, Lou, you know, Lou Dort, this season, despite how terrible he's been since the All-Star break, he's had 25 games where he makes three or more threes. He's had eight games where he's had four or more threes. And in those games, he looks incredible because when you add that three-point shot to his defense, it's awesome. But he cannot be a consistent starter. And... I don't think that when you play teams like Portland, which came back to bite me this opinion because uh, luckily I didn't tweet it out or else I've been ratioed. But you know, I, I was thinking to myself, hey, you probably shouldn't close with Lou Dort because there's no superstar on that other side of the court that can really go get a bucket on you. So you might as well close with your best options like Wiggins um, to help you on both ends. And of course, Dort got that massive stop at the end. Here's the thing. He's a boomer bust player. There's going to be there's going to be nights where he is just awesome from three, which some people do not want to admit because he's in the midst of a terrible coach streak. Like, oh, he never makes shots. He never plays good offensively. No, there's games where he plays really, really well. Look at the Brooklyn third quarter, like where he single-handedly turned the game around and won you the game against Brooklyn, which every win is massive in this season. Um, but there's also games where he plays terrible. Just outright horrendous in some games on the offensive end. So he's probably not a starter long-term. Like, that's the conversation to have. It's not he's awful, get him off the team, never play him ever, 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 ever. But the, but the matter of fact is, with the cap space that you have, with the future draft picks that you have, with the ability to upgrade this roster um, that you have for not only this offseason, but future offseasons, he's probably not the answer at the long-term starting position because you're going to be able to upgrade him so easily. But that doesn't mean he's not a good NBA player. That doesn't mean he's not a really good player. And as a matter of fact, I would venture to guess if you listen to any other fan base and check it on any other subreddit or any other Twitter community or whatever, or podcast, Lockdown Podcast, we have them for every single team, and go look at the comment sections. If you were to go do that for any team, you would find out that the fifth starter, whoever they would rank as their number five starter, has a ton of people complaining about him. But the thing is, Ludor is just a guy you can use whenever he's on from three and 
Thus, it elevates the way that you, you feel about him, and he's able to go be a stopper on the other end. And that's still awesome value for, for, for an under, undrafted free agent. I think what you do with Lou Dort is pretty simple. Like, it's going to be continued to be brought up every time he has a bad game, but you give him another year next year of like, hey, you know, the roster's flushed out. Your role offensively should just be to sit in the corner where you shoot over 40%, hit corner threes, and then come down here and play electric defense. And if he still cannot gravitate to that role, if he still cannot adapt or or be in that role efficiently, or I don't want to blame this all on Lou Dort because we don't know the answer to this, so I don't want to blame it all on Lou Dort, or if Mark refuses to use a player that way because he didn't use use Baisley um, in a role that I think was best suited for him, if he, if he doesn't want to use a player that way and wants to use a player the way that he wants to use him, which is just everyone's a playmaker, everybody's a cutter, everybody can do everything and doesn't want to have somebody just camping in a corner, if that's the case, then yeah, you, you part ways with a guy that can give you something back on the open market. But like, it doesn't have to be, he's terrible, never play him, he sucks. The bottom line is he's a boomer bust kind of guy. Because there was not a lot of hate for Lou Dort after the Brooklyn game. There wasn't even a lot of hate for Dort after the Lakers game where he, where he nailed in, you know, what was it, four for eight from three? But you go two for 14 offensively and all of a sudden, oh, he's not even a good defender anymore. Like, he's still a good defender. He's a good defender. But he's got to figure out how to thrive offensively. It's the out of control, wacky drives where he just can't rim finish. He is, he is just astonishingly bad. Being in the bottom 10 percentile at rim finishing for a guy that's built like Lou Dort is jaw-dropping. It's indefensible. Like, there's no defending it, okay? The only asterisk would be he was hurt with that shoulder injury last offseason, so he couldn't improve it, and he talked about that in the preseason. But... With that being said, I totally agree with you. If you want to say Lou Dort will factually never get better at rim finishing because to this point in his career, he's only gotten worse. So you have a four-year sample size of him only getting worse against my, well, maybe, possibly, he can improve this summer. Your concrete evidence evidence is much more permissible in court. But I also don't think he's like a terrible player that can never play in the NBA again. Like he, he's gonna, there's there's some middle ground here. The truth is oftentimes in the middle. Going two for fourteen offensively, however bad that that was, right? And really, it was one for fourteen because the the ending dunk just shouldn't even count as, as like a a stat when you when you want to quantify how bad he was offensively tonight. Um, that, that's that's indis- inexcusable. But it's just the fact that he is just so Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's not anything more than that. Isaiah Joe was awesome. Let's end on a high note here. Isaiah Joe was awesome. Took a charge in transition to stop that two-on-one lob fest to Shaden Sharp. Hit five threes, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, 20 points. Jay Will, two charges drawn, seven points, two assists, six rebounds. A standard day in the office for Jay Will. And the Thunder came back from down 12 points. They, they, they weathered the storm of 11 lead changes, 12 times tied. They won the battle of the glass. They forced more turnovers. They scored more in fast break. They scored more in the paint. And they scored more off second chance points. Uh, and, and the bottom line is credit to the Portland Trailblazers. Like, this was a team that kept punching. They had every reason to lay down after that after that second quarter run, uh, which included a huge momentum shift before halftime. They had every reason to lay down, not show up after the halftime. But they still did. And they still kept punching. And, and they were able to get the, uh, the push you to the brink type of game. But luckily, the Thunder weathered the storm. They survived in advance, and it is March. That's all you got to do is survive in advance. But it puts into perspective how important that this week is. Do not fall asleep and put on, hit, hit the snooze button and say, well, I'll check back in next week whenever the stakes are higher. No, the stakes are high right now. The stakes are incredibly high. 
right now uh, against these teams, even though on paper they are bad, bad, bad teams. So let me know what you think about all of this in the comment section down below on YouTube, on Twitter at Ryland or Squishiles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 